0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we're going to start a brand new series. According to most studies, they say that the number one fear of most people is public speaking. Um, Let's hope and pray that's not my fear. Because about halfway through that, if, if I realize that about halfway through this sermon, I'm just going to cower down right here. I mean... But they say that most people that their number one fear is public speaking and number two is death. And this troubles me a little bit because I don't understand that at all because it just doesn't sound right. You're telling me that that number two is death and number one is public speaking. Because if, if that's actually a fact, if, if that information is true, then that means most people in this room, that, that most likely you, if you were, attend, uh, were to attend a funeral, you would prefer to be in the casket versus giving the eulogy. And so that's troubling to me. Um, they say that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of snakes, I I don't know I I, again because I'm a public speaker. Maybe it doesn't bother me as much, but I I, I can tell you this I've never seen anybody walking through the jungle and they're like whoa look out a podium (laughs) It doesn't make sense does it so today we're starting this brand new series called blank Phobia now don't don't put a cuss word in there. Okay, that's not what this means. Okay. I know how your minds work you need Jesus is what you need, okay? <laughs> I intentionally left it blank. Blank phobia. Because we deal with so many different types of fear. No two people are the same. We, we may deal with some of the same fears, but... but In reality, all over this room, if I was to ask you, what are you afraid of? What's a real fear in your life? It would be widespread throughout this room. And so there's no possible way that I could prepare a message today and, and prepare a sermon series that would deal with every phobia known to man. It would just be impossible. But I do know this. I know that everybody in this room deals with fear we may not admit it, but we do. Everybody in this room, we deal with fear and we all deal with different types of fear. Now, one of the most popular fears and and one that you probably have heard of before is arachnophobia, arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders. They even made a movie about that back in the eighties. Some of you will remember that. Um, I think it was the eighties. Anyway, uh, another well-known fear is claustrophobia claustrophobia, which is the fear of confined small spaces, and, and I see this fear come alive in my wife when she gets on an elevator, a crowded elevator especially. Um, just this past week, the, the staff and I, we were in Atlanta for a conference, and uh, as we were all getting onto the same elevator, it was a very small elevator, and we all had our, our luggage, and as we're getting on, Mandy gets kind of in a corner, and knowing that she has this, this fear, of small confined spaces, I, I, being the protective husband that I am, I go over and I stand right over her, just all up in her space, and you can hear her breathing start to change, you know, and and stuff. And so for for two floors, I was hovering over her because um, I'm an awesome guy that just just likes to make his family panic. That's what I do. I know people that have hemophobia, hemophobia, which means the the fear of blood and and just the sight of blood will cause them to pass out. Anybody in the room have hemophobia? You do? Because I just kind of want to like cut myself a little bit just to watch somebody pass out. You know, it's weird, right? Um, Some people that I know, like my son's girlfriend, Mariah, um, they have ranidophobia. Did you know it's called that? Ranidophobia, it's the fear of frogs, fear of frogs. Anybody have the fear of frogs? Yep. Just two people, that's it. All right. Fear comes in many shapes and sizes. And we all have something that we are afraid of. And for the past few years, um, we, we've been doing this thing, our annual staff day out. And on our annual staff day out, we've done some exciting things. We've been ziplining before which is interesting. Um, maybe I'll share one of those stories before this series is over. Um, but for the sake of time, I'll move on. We've, we've done indoor skydiving, indoor skydiving, and uh, we've, we've, we've went to a, a trampoline, indoor trampoline park. We've done some neat things like that. But one of the things that we found a few years ago that the whole staff really enjoys um, are these ex- escape rooms. Anybody ever been to an escape room? Well, we started doing this a few years ago, and now it's made its way to Gainesville. And, and I haven't been to the one here, but I've been to part of that chain before. But uh, escape rooms have just become fascinating to, to us as a staff. And it, it's like this, this surge of adrenaline, man. We get into it. And if you've never been, let me just kind of explain to you what an escape room is kind of like. Um, so they put you in this room. And uh, there's, there's a possibility that there's other doors in the room that can lead to other smaller rooms and such. And they put a timer up on a TV and you have 60 minutes, one hour, to get out of this room and you've got to solve different riddles and puzzles and, and, and uh, just follow the clues and it will lead you to unlock some, some locks and, and some possible doors and stuff like that. And you try and solve the case. You try and solve whatever it is. I mean, if if, and it's serious stuff. I mean, if, if you don't solve it in time, then the Cuban missile crisis is going to happen. You know, if you don't solve it in time, then the zombie apocalypse is going to take over the world, you know? So the mission is, is, we are sincere in doing what we have to do to protect you. And so we go into it with that mindset, you know. And so this past July on our annual staff day out, um, I found one that we had never done before. And it was called Asylum. Asylum. And it looked creepy, I'm telling you. Just the advertisement for it. Went to their website, watched a little video, and I thought, this is fantastic. And so they, they put us in this room, and you can tell it's dark, and, and, and you know, there's some spider webs up in the corners, and the decor is all there, and, and, and we're all standing, and the TV is right there on the wall, and it, it's dimly lit, and all the staff is standing. I can look down and see all their faces. And we're watching this video as they begin setting up the scenario of what we've got to accomplish over this next hour, you know, to escape out of this room. And, uh, basically the, the synopsis was something along, along the lines of there's, there's an asylum, an insane asylum, uh, five of its, um, patients or inmates or whatever you would call them, um, <clears throat> were never found. They never found their remains, but there was an evil doctor and on his wife's deathbed, she said that he was behind the fire that burnt down the asylum. And so we have to, um, we have to go through all of the, the clues and, and, and unlock doors and, and such. And so it's setting up this scenario for us. And it's creepy. I mean, the voice and music and all that. And I'm look down because I'm wanting to see the staff. i wanting to see their faces. Now, we haven't even started yet. We're just watching the introduction video. And when it ends, 60 minutes is going to come up on the, on the TV. And we're going to watch it tick down as we try and get through this room. And so I look down because I want to see everybody's excitement on their face. you know. And I look down and sure enough there's all the staff. There's, there's Jennifer, and she's, she's ready. And there's Cindy and Alexis. There's Mandy. I see Pastor Andrew. But Pastor Scott was standing right beside me. <laughs> he was right here. And, and I look, and he's not there. Where is he? And I turn around, and he's up against the back wall, He has made his way from the front line to the back wall. He's in the corner in a fetal position, like a sissy little girl. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding about the fetal position. But he was. He was visibly a little little freaked out, and he had made his way five or six steps back against that wall. And I'm like, "Bro, are you okay?" It was becoming real to him in that moment. I mean, it was. And um, I love you, man. And um, and so and so we start, and this thing. It was great, man. We were loving it. We were still in the first room, and and and. All of a sudden, it was great until this one moment. There was this medicine cabinet or something on the wall that was a hidden door and we didn't know it. And when we got some clue right, the door popped open. And when it did, there was fog and like a green light just flowing out of this room. And we opened the door and this is what we saw. (laughs) It's not a video, people. It's the only escape room I've ever been in with a live actor. And this girl, looks like she's from the ring, is, is coming down the hallway. Me and Pastor Andrew, we're the only ones standing there to see this. We open the door and there she is. And I'm almost certain, I'm, I'm scared to admit it, but I'm pretty sure that we like grabbed each other and embraced for a moment like... <laughs> Nobody else can see what's coming down the hallway. And so I turn around. I'm like, get over here. Look at this. And when we turn back around, she's gone. (laughs) And there's this adrenaline. I mean, guys, I love, uh, okay, guilty pleasure here. I love scary movies. I do. I love scary movies. Not like demonic stuff, but I love a good thriller. I really do. And this got me. This got me. I'm telling you, as Pastor Andrew is holding me in his arms and (laughs) caressing my my face, you know. (laughs) I was scared, man. I was. It just had me for that moment. And, and she popped up a couple of more times. A few, other, a, a few other members of our team got to see her a little bit. Get that off the screen. I can't take that right now. I'm reliving it. We had a lot of fun that day. But how many of you know real fear is not fun, is it? When the enemy has gripped your life and there's real fear involved, You don't know how the outcome is going to happen. You don't know what tomorrow looks like. You don't know what the diagnosis is going to be. You don't know how your marriage is going to be saved. When real fear grabs your life, it's terrifying. There's no fun in that. Real fear is paralyzing. Real fear can cause you to make decisions based off of emotions rather than good sense. Real fear can keep you from moving forward with your life. Real fear can keep you from operating in faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so the enemy knows exactly what he's doing when he puts even the the smallest little bit of fear in your life. Because if all it takes is a mustard seed size of faith to make mountains move, imagine how just a little tiny bit of fear can also block what God wants to do in your life. And the enemy knows this, and that's why he puts situations and circumstances in your life that will absolutely grip you with fear because it will hinder what God wants to do with your life. And so for this month, I want us to conquer our fears me included i want us to conquer our fears and we're going to look at three different types of fear throughout this month the first one is going to be assumed fear assumed fear the second will be actual fear and then the third will be awe fear in all fear and today, we're going to lay the foundation for this series, and then in the weeks to come, we're going to dissect each one of those. And our text today is going to reveal all three different types of fear that I just mentioned, but we will not dive into them just yet. We'll start doing that next week, but I think it's important for us to look at this, because I don't believe that God wants any of you, even, even for, for one more day, to have to go through some of the fears that you're facing right now. It's not God's will for your life. So Mark chapter 4, I want to read verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we have the storm, the waves, the wind. That's actual fear. There's something to be afraid of there. Then we have this mindset that God doesn't care They said, Jesus, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you not realize we are about to die? That's assumed fear. And then we have the disciples who were obviously overwhelmed with the greatness of Christ after he said, peace be still and calm the storm. And that is an in awe fear. A number of years ago, my family was on a cruise with some of our extended family members on Mandy's side. And that's always an adventure when you travel with Mandy's family. Um, we don't travel with my family at all. Maybe that says more about my family than it does her family. I don't know. But we were on this cruise to the Bahamas and there's there's quite a few of us. I don't know, probably, you know, 15, 20 of us from her family and and we're on this cruise. And we had a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise before, but but there's lots of food on a cruise. I mean, that's that's to me, I think that's the biggest thing you pay for is food. And Mandy takes advantage of that. Like every night at dinner, you know, when you're sitting in the dining hall, Mandy doesn't just order one entree. Mandy always orders two entrees when, she, when she's eating for dinner. She always does. And, and she can't decide, do I want the steak or the lobster? No, I want both. I want steak and lobster, you know. And so Mandy, she, she, she likes to eat. So we had some good food on this, on this cruise. We did. I don't like leaving it right there. Mandy likes to eat and looks wonderful when she does it. <laughs> I just said, Mandy likes to eat, and I just moved on. That will get me in trouble. I don't know, no, I don't know how to recover right now, I really don't. Um, So apparently Brocky likes to eat too, and so I'm fatter than Mandy, you know, that's just, am I recovering at all? Um, So so moving on, moving on. there were some some neat things that happened on this cruise. You know, we we, we made a stop in the Bahamas, and you go through the market, and I love going through the market because you get to, to bargain with people, and, and I love trying out my bargaining skills. You know, with, with the natives, and it's just an interesting time. And and so um, we 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 ended up going over to uh, um, Atlantis, the resort there, Atlantis. One night, we got off the boat, went over to Atlantis, and. We were we were outside looking at all these beautiful yachts out there, dreaming of one day owning a yacht. And turn around, and start to walk in, met Magic Johnson. He and his family were leaving, and you know I used to love to hate him, you know, being a Celtics fan. But we got a picture made with Magic Johnson, and it was just it was a surreal moment. Um, but I, I I remember what stands out to me on this cruise is the last night, because the last night as we're coming back to Florida, we hit some rough seas. I mean, we hit some storms, and I remember sitting in the dining hall and we're eating and I look over at my daughter and she's like turning green. I mean, the, the boat is just, you can, you can watch the water in your glass, just do this. And, and I don't deal good with this at all. I I really don't. I mean, I motion sickness, I can get motion sickness very, very quickly. As a matter of fact, I need this section right here just to sit very still for the next few moments. Okay. As I talk about this. And so it, it just, it starts getting to me. And I remember we stood up from the table and we're walking down the hallway of the ship. And as we're walking down the hallway, you, you, could, you could feel the boat just going one side to the other as you just tried to, tried to walk straight. And, and it, it was getting bad. And I thought to myself, I've got to get to my room. I've got to get to my cabin just to lay down. If I can just get there to lay down, I'll be okay. I wasn't going to be okay, but the real deal was I didn't want to throw up dinner all over the boat, you know? And so I need to get there in case this happens. Because when I was about, about 13, 14 years old, a friend of mine, his dad took us deep sea fishing. We went out from Deco Beach in Taylor County and we went out into the Gulf. We went 25 miles out into the, the Gulf. My, my friend Brett uh, invited me to go. I'd never been before. And Brett forgot to, to give me or tell me to take Dramamine or anything like that. And so I, I get out there, or it was fine. The boat ride out was fine. But we get 25 miles out into the Gulf and I mean, the first, first rod's going into the water, and all of a sudden, I feel something churning right here. And the crackers I ate that morning, the peanut butter crackers, let's just say I chummed the waters, okay? <laughs> it was a bad scene, and his dad said, you didn't give him Dramamine? He said, no, Dad, I forgot. Dad started up the boat. We came 25 miles right back in. And so that's all I can remember. Now I'm a grown man. I've got kids. I'm on this ship, and I'm thinking, I just need to get to my room. And eventually we did. We, we, we made it to the room. I, I, I just don't deal very well with, with storms at sea. I just don't. There's been a couple of times, there's a wrong time of year to go. Don't go during the winter. Don't go on a cruise during the winter. That's the two times that, that I, I've been on a cruise ship and it just, it gets to me, I'm telling you. But when the storms of life arise, and notice I said when, not if, because they're going to. When the storms of life arise, we must be careful not to let the circumstances get in us. This is the greatest cause of fear in people when they allow the circumstance, whatever they're going through, to penetrate and get inside of them. This storm was raging all around these followers of Jesus, all around these disciples. The Bible says that the waves are breaking into the boat. That means at at the top, at the crest of that wave, it's breaking and it's falling into the boat. And that boat begins to fill up with water. Now understand this, church, that the boat that they're in is designed to float. Whoever built that boat, built it in such a way that it was designed to stay above water. As long as it is used that way, as long as it's used above water and you don't let the contents outside of the boat infiltrate what's happening in the boat, then it's going to float. According to explainthatstuff.com, it's a real website, an object will float if the gravitational downward force is less than the buoyancy, the upward force. So in other words, an object will float if it weighs less than the amount of water that it displaces. This explains why a rock, a rock the size of my hand, if you throw it into the water will sink while a huge ship, one of the greatest mysteries of life to me, it will float. Why? Because the rock is heavy, but it displaces only a little water while the ship, even much heavier, knows how and is designed in such a way that it displaces much water. During the time of Christ, boats were constructed in a way like today that the shape of the boat displaced the water around it. And, and then they would take some kind of pitch, pitch and tar, tar and pitch, a resin, and they would fill in all the cracks and all the gaps throughout the boat. They would fill the entire walls of the, of the inner boat with, with this pitch, with this resin. But this was not a new technology. The art of covering the interior of a boat with pitch had been in in practice for thousands of years. We know this because in Genesis 6 and 14, the Bible says God is speaking to Noah and he says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. So God was telling Noah how to make a boat that would be waterproof and, and, and how it would float. Exodus 2 and 3, But when she, that's the the mother of Moses, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. And so this was a practice that was thousands of years old. This was not new technology by any means. And the boats that the disciples were in were designed to keep the waters of the Sea of Galilee from getting inside of the boat. But on that day, it's interesting that this little part of the Bible here, it starts with that. But on that day, you know why I, I feel like that's important for us? Because fear doesn't schedule an appointment for your life. You ever notice that? Fear doesn't call ahead and say, hey, I'm showing up on the 20th. Is that a good day for you? No. Fear shows up whenever fear wants to and so it was on that day that fear showed up and it could be tomorrow it could be yesterday it can be a week from now a month from now but it was on that particular day that these men were in a panic because the storm outside of the boat is starting to appear inside of the boat. And if that's happening, there's something wrong. You're in trouble if what's happening outside of the boat starts appearing inside of the boat. You better get your little pail and you better start shoveling some water out of that boat. Because sooner or later you're going to sink because you're not displacing the water anymore. Now the water is coming inside of the boat. Mark 4 and 37 says, And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Boats only sink when the circumstances outside of the boat have gotten on the inside of the boat. And some of you need to understand right now that you are only drowning right now because life outside of you has worked its way inside of you. That you've allowed the circumstances outside of your boat, outside of your life, to infiltrate the inside. And that is what is wreaking havoc on you. That is what is causing you to be terrorized, terrified, scared to death. The fear that the enemy has has put upon your life and, and the grip of fear that he has on your life is all because of a mindset of us allowing what's happening on the outside to flood the inside of our lives. Why is it? That some people can walk through hell and not waver in their faith. It's because they, they, they have a standard. They have not allowed what's happening on the outside of their boat to come into the inside of their boat. Or, or how can people go through circumstances that are so tough, but yet they seem so unaffected? You've seen some of these people before. And, and you admire them. You look at them and say, how can you keep it together? How can someone who has ate up with cancer still show up to church on Sunday morning, raise both hands and praise God, knowing that their body is failing them. Because they have not allowed any report that the doctor has given them to change the mindset of where they are. They have not allowed what's happening on the outside to come to the inside of their boat. When you go through that storm, you've got to make sure That you go through the storm and that the storm doesn't go through you. When what's happening on the outside of you starts penetrating the inside of you, you are going to become full of fear. This is the enemy's game with your life. And he wants to destroy you with that fear. Whatever it is, whatever you walked into this room today with, whatever is gripping you right now, it is the enemy scheme against your life, and he is trying to embed your life with fear. He is trying to redesign the way that God designed you. He designed you with faith. Did you know the Bible says that, that every man has been given a measure of faith? So the enemy wants to take that measure of faith, rip it out of your life, and replace it with a measure of fear. He's hindering your life because of the fear that he's placed inside of you. So let me show you how to tell if the storm outside of you has worked its way inside of you. When it's all that you think about. When you can't get it off of your mind. When all you think about is the problem that you're going through, it has consumed you. You have no other thoughts 100% of your time. In, in, in awakened moments, they are spent worrying about what you're going through. It consumes your mind when it affects your attitude. When it affects your attitude, that's when you know what's going on outside of the boat has gotten inside of the boat. When it's all that you talk about, it's not just that it's, it's consumed your mind. Now it's consuming what's coming out of your mouth. Listen to Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And so what's happening inside of you, you'll know it by what comes out of your mouth. Usually whenever a person is going through something, that is what they want to talk about. And you will either speak faith or you will speak fear. Whatever you're talking about, that is what is inside of you. Listen, you can't say that you're not afraid of dying and then constantly talk about every sickness that you think that you have. By the way, you have to appreciate what the hypochondriac had engraved on his tombstone. I told you I was sick. Okay, let's move on. Don't tell me. That you're not worried about your job and then you constantly tell me what everyone else on your job is doing wrong. This is personal, isn't it? You didn't sign up for this. You didn't know you were coming to church today for me to step on you like this. It's okay, I love you. But it's about to get real serious. Just keep me keep me a runway over here just so I can take off. to so Just move the computers out of the way. I'll be there in a minute. It's one thing to talk about your ex-husband or your ex-wife for a month after the divorce. But when they consume your speech for the next 10 years, what's happened on the outside of the boat is now on the inside of the boat and from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Some of you, you're, you're drowning on a cup of water that's 10 years old. The enemy has you so captive and you're fearful to move on. Whatever you talk about is what is already inside of you. And so don't let the circumstances outside the boat get inside the boat. But you see, the disciples, they had a secret weapon inside the boat mark 4 and 38 says and when he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing the greatest decision that you ever made in your life it was more important than the decision to get married it was more important than the decision to have children It's the greatest decision that a human being could possibly ever make in their life. And we are the only creatures on this planet that can make this decision. And it's the decision to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is not a greater decision that you can make. And if you have not made that decision before this day is over, we're gonna give you an opportunity for that. But it is the greatest decision that a person can say, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. Listen, don't call him your savior if you won't let him save you. I constantly need Jesus to save me all throughout my life. My entire timeline is filled out with, with, with filled in with Jesus saving me here and Jesus saving me there. And Jesus, and I'm not talking about my, my eternal salvation. I am talking about circumstances of life when I needed Jesus to save me. You need Jesus as your Savior, and it's the greatest decision that you'll ever make. But the problem with too many Christians is that they never give Jesus the opportunity to wake up inside of them. And we're satisfied with this. Jesus, let me get you a pillow and a nice little blanket. Let me make you a nice little pallet over here. And Jesus, I want you to go to sleep right over here in my boat, in my life, You just get comfortable and you stay right there. I'll wake you up if I need you. And the reason why we're so satisfied with leaving Jesus back there on the pallet is because if Jesus is awake in our boat, it's going to cause us to have to change some things about the way that we live. And so we're good. We're good. And he's been back there sleeping for so long, But now that the enemy has gripped our lives with fear, we forget that Jesus is even in the boat. The storms of life, the storms of life that keep haunting you, they will dissipate at the moment that you wake up Jesus. The disciples, in the moment of fear, when the storm was crashing in, the boat's filling up with water, they go to Jesus. And here's what I love about Jesus. Listen, if I was God and you, you question me like this, you wake me up from, from sleep. First of all, I don't like being awakened. Don't wake me up. I just don't like it at all. But, but if you wake me up, don't question me with, don't you see that the storm is raging? Don't, is it your will that we all perish? Is it your will, Lord, that we all die? You know it's not God's will for you to die. But Jesus gets up, and he looks at their storm, and he says three words, Peace, be still. And the winds died down. I just wonder if we would just pray Jesus awaken in my life come alive Lord that's why the psalmist said over and over again magnify the Lord with me it's not that God needs to be any bigger God's extremely huge okay God, God doesn't need to be any bigger than what he is we need to see him bigger we need to put the magnifying glass of our faith on God and magnify the Lord so that we can see God at his at his as his his, his his true size of how magnificent He is. We need to see God magnified. Imagine what happens when we say, "Jesus, I'm not satisfied with you being asleep in the back of the boat." Jesus, I want you to awaken. And speak to my storm. You see, some people think that fear is the opposite of faith. It's not. I'm completely convinced it's not. Fear is not the opposite of faith, fear is simply having faith in the wrong thing. I'm not going to do this because I don't trust them. But I could stand right here and do a, a fear fall right here and ask pastor andrew and pastor scott to catch me but i picked on them earlier so i have no faith that they're going to catch me at all right i have faith that they're going to let me fall that's the way it works we we put faith in the wrong things and therefore it becomes fear I have faith that it's not going to work out. I have faith that the cancer is going to come back. I have faith that my marriage is going to fail. I have faith that the finances are not going to be there. I have faith that I'm not going to make a passing grade. I have faith that this is not going to work on my behalf. And there's where your faith comes in. Fear is not the opposite of faith. It's just having faith in the wrong thing. And at the moment we wake up Jesus and we realize... He is the only one that can look at our storm and say, peace be still. When we put our faith in that, that's when the calm comes. When we put our faith in Christ, the storm has no choice but to leave. And some of you walked into this room and you're carrying a lot of fear right now. I've been praying for you that God would not allow you to walk out of this room today carrying that fear. That your faith in the wrong thing would no longer control your mind. That you would have an adjustment, a mental adjustment on where to put your faith. And this month, we're gonna look at some things. We're we're going to, to, to really explore fear And what that looks like, healthy fear, unhealthy fear, there's a difference. Now we're going to look at those things, but I just don't believe that God wants some of you to go another day carrying this fear that has gripped your life. And so we're about to pray, and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit of God to come in. We're going to wake up Jesus in our boats and our lives, and we're going to say, speak to our storms. I don't want to continue going through life fearful. I refuse to go through life afraid. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.